Excited about the TI game tomorrow? Yes, yes, I am. Like, uh, a first of probably many quarantine board game nights, uh, wherein we load up our favorite board games online, defeating half the purpose of them, but hey, we're still scratching that itch a little bit. I, I mean, I'm the guy who likes online board games, uh, and probably in the future we'll be recording them, and uh, well, probably in the future we'll be recording them and, like, uh, putting them. Yeah, publishing them on the feed, but like this is a different group that was not at all associated with Brokusatsu, and like I, I don't want to put that on them. No, it's a real group of people like who actually want to play Ti, and you know what? I want to play Ti. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably will still record it, but just like for our own, um, just to like test the setup for if we want to do in the future, and again to incriminate you, Sam, for whatever you choose to do. Hey, I am, I am the best Ti player, Harry. Like I am. I am such a good neighbor. I am such a good ally to have a Twilight Imperium. Like, I don't betray my allies. You we get, you know that's we get not to the true. last round. No, Harry. It's it's the rule. We get to the last round, and then when it's set that one of us is gonna be first and one of us is gonna be second, then we decide in that last round. But we get each other there first. Now you know that's not true. Nope, that's mm. Because, Sam, your definition of an ally is, does everything I say exactly what I say to do it, even if it's, like, cutting their own head off in terms of progression? Like, you will say to someone, hey, so we had, like, an agreement about helping each other out, so I need you. what I need you to do is cede three quarters of the galaxy to me, and then we're fine. And they'll be like, no, and you'll say, this is a betrayal. That is not at all true, Harry. That is not at all true. Have I, perhaps, in the past, like... Run some boats up and down a demilitarized zone, encouraging an enemy to take a first pot shot at me? Absolutely, I have. But, I mean, that's not a betrayal. Like, that's an incitement to betrayal. They were the ones who made the choice. Oh. Welcome to Brokazatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokazatsu Shows and Related Media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And I, I guess I apologize to Sam for kind of underplaying the like uh, method joke for board games that I probably cut out of the episode. I'm going to assume that you did. Whenever there's something I say that's funny, I'm assuming it's gone. I won't know because I'll never listen to these episodes, but... No, yeah, no, yeah you don't know it, but the way I edit the episode is mostly just me telling bad jokes and like you laughing at them. That sounds about right. I can sound as clever as I want. No, 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 no. That absolutely works. I have many good, like, laugh bits, many good, many good sound waves that you can just cut in place where they need to be. Yeah. Also, I still have the sound clip of you saying castration. Wonderful. Wonderful. Speaking of castration, is that like, um, no, there's no play in here. No, there really isn't, Terry. Like, and you're going to have to leave that bit in. I've become too confident in my ability to segue uh, into these episode summaries. Speaking of too confident, let's talk about Guy's reaction to the plot <laughs> in these Commodore Zero One. Hey, saved it. Oh, Guy, Jack, whatever the fuck we're calling him this week. I get the feeling he's not going to be long for this world for very long. So you know what? We don't have to. We don't have to worry about that for too much longer. Yeah. It. Uh, so uh, continuing from the last episode, it is the firefighter match where they are testing to see who could save the most people in a stage situation, then a 
Raid Rider with like a panda with a rocket launcher showed up and no, quickly fire turned bug it from Batman. Yeah, turned it into an actual firefighting situation. And for a facility designed to catch on fire and to have people rescued from it, it's going surprisingly bad. I know, I know. We got to assume that like the Raid Rider gun is one of those like sci-fi guns that can make concrete burn and steel melt with like a single pass or something like that because this is a straight up concrete training ground. It's getting hot enough to melt steel beams and that's something. It really is, it really is. Harry, human gears can't melt steel beams. Uh, no, they can't. Oh, uh, speaking of human gears, like, I'm using, I used the Genom Corp translation this time. Uh, last episode I said his name was Ichi Ichi something, so it was like lots of ones. But in this one, they just made the joke more explicit. He's 119 Nosuke, and 119 is the Japanese emergency number. So he's like, he's like 911 bot. No, that absolutely works. So yes, as we uh, join our heroes, like in immediate, uh, in media res, like immediately picked up from the previous ep, uh, the captain is staring at the building, and one of his subordinates runs up, and uh, they're shouting, we can't be sure when the building will collapse, to which the captain, just tough guy, responds, that's why I'm going in! Uh, Izu and um, 119 have like a moment, and the uh, human captain, Hamura, looks at Jack, and Jack might be a bit more worried if we heard him say this, but he does just say, screw this contest crap. <laughs> uh, the other thing Izu says is that the satellite has finished scanning for rogue raid riser keys, and they believe that they have found the baddie. And so, uh, Aruto, he wishes everyone good luck, and then he goes to have a showdown with a villain. So Hamura and 119, they go into the building. They're just shouting, trying to look for a response. Uh, 119, he has the kind of x-ray vision scan of the building and he forwards his information to the Zaya spec and instantly like just between the two of these on their own they show the potential of the the stuff that the different companies have designed to integrate with each other and work really well i know it's not a one or the other situation and i hate that i hate that the show is going to spend the next 30 episodes just making that point because we're already there but oh well but the data is not good because there isn't a clear route to get to the vice president, his toady, and Shesta. Well, not, not a clear route. There's like uh, the chief firefighter, he is scanning it and he's like, there is no way to get to these people and the building is about to collapse. Jump to the fight between the firebug and Zero One. For a little bit, it's a sniper duel, which is kind of rare in these shows. Like it, it uses the spacing between buildings and the Raid Racer is using his weapon very effectively. But Aruto is a grasshopper man, so he just jumps over. <laughs> uh, yep, they upped the budget so that they could have shots at two different locations in this fight. And they didn't even have to punch each other into a rock quarry. They cut the budget a little bit later. I'll, I'll mention it. When he gets in close, uh, he's much more effective against the sniper, and Aruto smashes him a few times. It's not, it's not a fight. Like, uh, Aruto, he puts up a shield and blocks the shot, and then immediately takes out the guy's gun. There's an explosion, there's a lot of smoke, uh, the guy detransforms and scrambles away in the confusion, uh, but he drops his aspect behind him. Yep, and it's not the reporter. I was entirely wrong about that. Uh, it, it's just, like, a, a guy in a nice outfit, you know, kind of corporate-looking. So, uh, back at the fire, uh, the vice president's assistant, Hugh uh, is fragging out due to the heat. Like, she's malfunctioning, just kind of spitting out random words. Like, the smoke, the temperature is really getting to all the survivors on the third floor. Yep. Showing that, you know, 
because they're electronics, they're more vulnerable to certain things like overheating. She lists off the vice president's Google search history for a bit, and I, that could have gotten really dark, but she shuts down. Uh, so, back outside, uh, Fua enters the scene. Uh, he grabs Yua, pulls her into the building, screaming that, you know, you're still part of Abe's, whether you're not, you like it, and we are going to save those people. Yeah, he splashes some water on himself before he rushes in. That doesn't splash any water on Yua. Nope, nope, does not at all. Also, they do not grab face masks. They do not take any kind of protective gear for the fire. Well, they have their belts. Well, but they don't use them. I I, I think if they got in the thick of it, they probably would have slapped them on, but it, uh, they end up not needing to. Like, you know what could have been really useful in this very specific situation? A person that is armored and can run very, very fast. Or maybe a guy who's armored and also has, like, ice powers. Like, maybe some kind of freezing, uh, what is it, freezing bear or grizzly? Uh, perhaps someone with uh, massive fists, what can break through concrete and clear paths. No, I, I don't think you should be knocking down the walls of this building. Well, but you're right, you're right, probably. But what I'm saying is that there are options, and maybe they should have considered them other than just, like, dousing one of them with a bucket of water and running into a burning building. Up on the top floor, the, the Tony and the vice president have a moment where... Kind of showing where they're at. The toady, he says, is if uh, if the human shows up and rescues us, then we lose the contest. Do you think the dream of humans and human gears living together is fruitless? And the VP says, I mean, I kind of want us to lose, but kind of not. It's I'm feeling complicated. In my in my translation, he said, I'd almost prefer it that way, but it's complicated. So the vice president clearly, like, not as sold on human gears as the rest of the people in his company. Definitely not as much as Aruto. Like, he is just there to do a job, put out a product, doesn't necessarily believe in it, doesn't necessarily trust it. Uh, but he did seem very concerned when Chesta was shutting down in this episode, so I don't know. I mean, I, he doesn't see her as a person really yet, but it, I, he's not, like, mean to her or anything. It's... It's funny, like, this guy started out the series as kind of the villain antagonist. He's just been kicked in the face for so many episodes, like, for almost the past 20 episodes. Like, they're really doing a good job, like, humanizing him, like, endearing him to the audience. Yeah, he he was a corporate asshole, but the biggest corporate asshole in the world has kind of shown up and is, uh, is using his jacksuit. Anyway, the moments you kind of predicted last episode happens I now. explicitly predicted uh, that the human gear remembers that hey he's a massive robot with like super strength and super abilities and also he has a backup and so doesn't really care about sacrificing himself and so hey guess what he does well it yeah he rushes forward and sacrifices himself to open up a open up a path but this moment is awesome like I want to mention it because the the other firefighter saying hey you're still supposed to protect yourself but as 1019 is walking into the fire, literally on fire, his skid burning off, he says, it's it's fine. I don't have a life, but I can protect other people with lives. This is my job. And he like kind of melts in place as he's holding up some massive chunks of concrete. It is pretty badass. Like, he's slowly, like, it's almost like a Terminator 2 melts, uh, where he's, you know, sacrificing himself, like... Uh, all of him is just melting as you're watching, and at the end, he's just an exoskeleton holding up a giant boulder so the people can get under it. The the they get in, they manage to evac the the people on the top. I gotta be honest, like 
I looked at the clock after this happened, and this was at, like, the 10-minute mark of the episode. I mean, that's fair, because, I mean, you knew what was going to happen, so they got this part of it out of the way soon, and that's what they needed to do. This episode clearly didn't, I mean, it's not that it didn't care about this, it's that it realized that the contest was not the focus. The writers have fully moved on from the contest being the focus of any episode. It's more people reacting to the outcomes, because Arto, when he sees the the uh, captain come out with the host- the you know people he needed rescuing he says thank you so much for helping you know my subordinates wait a bit 119 isn't with you and he basically has to break through the firefighters to rush in as he was telling him why are you bothering he's he's a human gear so R2 he goes inside they find the body like still in the exact same position it was and they have a quick moment uh, like you was there and she says hey you know, he can be restored from a backup, like you don't need to recover the body, but Aruto has none of that. He picks him up because he was one of his friends, one of his employees, and what kind of president would leave a person behind? What kind of president? Cuts to Jack, sitting in his office, saying, all right, the one behind the rescue was Zaya's representative, Captain Hamura. Zaya's won three to one, and uh, we're going to concentrate on taking over your company now. The firefighter says, no, that's not really true. You know, if it wasn't for 119, I would have just left the building and everyone would have died. The captain gives full credit to the human gear. Like, have we seen a contest yet where, like, the human did not in the end come to respect the human gear? No, no. Like, in the first one, it was the the uh, flower arranging contest where the human was so terrified in the first round that he kind of cheated and did a trick. And he won at the end because that's not a very, you know, objective art form. The second one was the uh, house selling contest where, like, the human uh, was very angry, nervous about bots taking over his industry, which is a very real threat to the home buying industry. Yeah, even he, like, smile in the end. Yeah, the third one was a prosecutor who was like, I almost sent an innocent man to jail. This would have been bad. Kind of from our record, like, it's a little unclear on how much he wanted to do the right thing and how much he wanted to be, you know, a successful prosecutor. But anyway, he was like, yeah, you did a good job, lawyer. And then we get to here. And even Yua turns to Jack and says, I think he's right. You know, the human gear really did win this. And Jack turns to her and Ice Cold says, I didn't ask for your opinion. God, what is, like, she better be his daughter or something like that. Because, man, if if she's not, then there is just no excuse for whipping on her belt and taking the guy's head off. I mean, it, it's complicated. Uh, it's He's still getting away with stuff. Uh, but... <laughs> People are real. I don't know. It's. I thought people knew more of what was revealed this episode. Like, so Arto gave the Zai spec to Fua, who checked it out, and they tracked down the guy who did it. And guess who? Who guess who he worked for? Yep, of course he's a Zaya employee. Like, I, I'm a little unclear. Like, I think the show is intentionally unclear if this guy was hired uh, by Jack to sabotage the contest or if he genuinely acted on his own initiative. It doesn't really matter, though, because Jack, he takes actions to destroy the Zaya spec that Fua has. The guy points out that, oh, I work for Zaya, and I thought if you if I helped uh, Jack win the contest, I would get a promotion or something. So I took one of the raid risers that we've been developing, which is a record, record scratch, because Fua's like, wait, so you are objectively behind all of the technology Metsubo Genrai is using. And Jack says, well, time to destroy evidence. 
Like, for being a weapons dealer, he's doing a real bad job about it. Yeah, he's playing this really rough. So he tries to destroy the evidence and has a very quick fight with uh, Fua. And I mean, a very quick fight with Fua. Thouser, he's been around for a while, so his powers, he, he's not quite as impressive, but he's still able to wreck Fua, specifically by using Hirobi's key. Yeah, the poison key. And he just like whips Fua around and uh, detransforms him. And is uh, they're just kind of vamping a little bit until Jin shows up. Yeah, and says, hey, uh, I really need that key back. Also, Jin points, like, uh, Jack had been going on a whole speech, like, the Raid Riser, the reason I developed it, is for personal defense. Like, the Shot Riser, that's for, you know, professional military to fight human gears. But the Raid Riser, I'm gonna give those out to just random humans. And Jin shows up and says, yeah, humans suck. You're the source of malice on this planet, and I'm gonna stop you. And they fight. Uh... Very important to note, uh, Yua, Aruto, Fua, like, they're there. They do not interfere at all with this fight. They kind of like seeing these guys kick each other in the face. Oh, uh, and this was the budget cutting thing, by the way. So when Hirobi and, uh, no, 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 when, when Fua and Jack were getting ready to throw down, they pull out their transformation widgets and then just smash cut to them fighting. So they that's one of the few times of these shows I've not seen them do the, the full-on henshin. But but Jin does get the full intention, so, you know, because it's the new shit. I think that, I'm not sure if that was budget, I think that might have just been time. Like, because the full intention, that's an extra, like, 30 to 45 seconds, which doesn't sound like a whole lot, but we're talking about a frankly pretty tight 22 minutes. Uh, like, I, I don't, I don't mind it, it's just, so very rarely in this show do they not show the transformation. Unless it's like a plot point where they're hiding who it is. Or it's like a, a part of an action sequence where they do a quick transform directly into a move. So Burning Jin versus Thouser is basically even. Like they're smacking each other, just bouncing back. They do dual finishers that like their their effects on the screen kind of fight each other. It's it's actually pretty awesome. Like they cannot land definitive hits on either of them and they're both uh, starting to take pretty good punches. So and but at some point Jack drops the key, which is really all that Jin wanted. So he picks up Hirobi's key, waves, and says goodbye. I'm off to free all human years. So Jack kind of clears the throat and says, Eh, one of my employees did assault a precinct full of firefighters. So I guess I'm just going to give up this round of the contest, and that's all the consequences that are going to happen. Isn't Fua still a cop, Harry? Uh, yeah. Shouldn't Jack be arrested at some point? <laughs> Okay, Jack is rich, and I've said, like, he could get away with stuff because he's rich. But at the very least, they should have a scene where, like, you know, Fua tries to take it to his superiors, and he's stonewalled or something. Like, they should... It's ridiculous that's not even come up. Hey, he should be arrested. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not just, like, the development of illegal weapons, uh, not just, like, the distribution of that. He's destroying evidence. He's attacking witnesses. Like, he's... He's being a bad criminal and doing it in front of the cops. Like, unless he killed that employee, they do have a witness saying that uh, Zaya developed the Raid Risers. So they're kind of directly behind the stuff going on. Yeah, I'm not sure how much longer Jack is sustainable as a villain entity. Like, I next episode is going to be the start of the final contest. Maybe the end, who knows. Uh, but I, I'm really hoping that that's the end of Jack's arc. Uh, and he mentions, so Jack, again, moving the goalposts, says, all right, so instead of contest, 
where let's have the last contest be a public vote because there's kind of a government referendum on there. They've decided to rebuild that uh, daybreak town, you know, the giant radioactive hellhole filled with rogue robots and also the the evil arc at the bottom of the lake that for some reason nobody has thought of like getting scuba gear and just dynamiting. Maybe that was in the movie. I, I don't know. Well, they also, like Hirobi and Jin, uh, the previous episode, they said that it didn't matter if the Ark was destroyed at this point. Uh, maybe. Again, there's ways they could ride around this, but, like, Like, they the Ark hasn't really been doing much the past, like, four or five episodes. Like, Jin isn't part of the Ark. Jin is a complete separate entity. Like, Hirobi was separated from the Ark for quite some time. Ever since Hirobi uh, hooked back into the Ark, the Ark hasn't been acting at all. Like, we might be seeing an Ark Redemption arc. Uh, I'm pretty sure the arc is not going to get redeemed. I don't know. It's, I mean, because we're very specifically seeing, um, like, it's not a subtle metaphor of uh, Jack saying, human gears are the problem. I developed these weapons to fight them. And Jin saying, no, humans are full of malice. I'm going to fight them. And them kind of clashing against each other and, like, being evenly matched. And off to the side, Aruto's looking sad because he's the guy who believes in working together. Like, it's, I mean, we see where this is going, right? Yeah, perhaps. And we also see that they are going to go into the, uh, like, it's a it's a vote to see whether or not the, that they start up the district where humans and human gears live together, which could be interesting. But also, <laughs> did you watch the next episode preview? I might have seen a little bit of the next episode preview. All right. I'm a little worried. Politicians versus rappers. Yeah, okay, so... For the soul the, of the public, Harry. The Zaya guy is just like... A politician guy wearing a, you know, Zyaspec. He's just, like, a dude. The human gear, who's, like, uh, on the side of hidden intelligence, who we're going to be spending a lot of time with, is African-American and a very flamboyant rapper. And I not, I'm not confident in this show to maybe handle these things lightly. Let's brace ourselves for a very rough landing, Harry. Yeah. Uh, we'll deal with that next episode, and probably the following episode, because it'll be a two-parter, and then in probably another ten episodes when the character comes back for a callback, because this show really loves their callbacks, and of course the finale, and maybe the episode before the finale too, so we've got, let, let's assume we've got like five super rough episodes coming up. Things are, like, I'm liking the show, but it's, it's losing, they're not doing enough side stuff. They're just doing the main plot and developing it super slowly. Like, again, this episode was the reveal that Jack is behind everything, which I feel like has been revealed like five times already. <laughs> well, what what's the Jack arc? is Like, this is the middle arc. And the middle arc of this series is kind of shitty. First arc was great. I, I have faith that arc three will be great. But middle arc? Eh, middle arc is kind of rough. Yeah, common writers often have saggy middles. Yeah, we're going, we're in like the later end of the Siggy Middle. But for the, but in this episode, uh, we just, as a bit of a break before starting our next big long project, started the beginning of something. Uh, so I have been getting a push from a lot of friends to give My Hero Academia a try. And we figured that, hey, this is a episode of Transition. Might as well be time to finally dive in and take a look at this anime that I've been hearing so much about. Like, like, My Hero Academia, the local theater is playing a movie for My Hero Academia. Like, they transported a Japanese anime movie 
into a Lakewood theater. So what the hell? Like that that is the level of cultural impact that I have not seen of an anime since like since Dragon Ball Z. That's the only comparable one that I can think of at that level. And I knew literally nothing about it. I'm not sure of the exact statistics, but I wouldn't at all be surprised to find out that it's like the most popular comic currently running in Weekly Shonen Jump. It's mega huge. It's it's like what there was a point uh, where a bunch of popular manga ended all at the same time, like Naruto, Bleach, and I think like one other all ended kind of around the same time. So there was a big gap that opened up, and My Hero Academia is very much one that stepped right in there. Yeah, so it was something that I was looking forward to trying, uh, to seeing and figuring out why people liked it. And you know what? I like the occasional anime. So going into it. You thought it was more of a Harry Potter thing, right? Yeah, like I I knew lit- the only thing I knew was that there was a green haired kid and he was going to school. <laughs> I thought it was like magic. I thought it was like medieval times or something like that. No. It's a modern superhero show. It's, uh, I don't know, we're, uh, we did commentary tracks, but like, I, I feel like because of the pacing of the show, it's a little hard to do commentary tracks for. Maybe I'll still post them, but uh, uh, we're recently. Uh, they were, stuff. they were pretty rough. Like, okay, sure. It's a bit like the concept of the X-Men, except a couple hundred years in the future where like the X-Men, like the, they proliferated and now most of humanity has some kind of mutant power. Uh, in the setting called Quirks. I mean, you say a couple hundred years of the future, Harry. Like, does that ever come up? I mean, it it did it doesn't look like it's a couple hundred years of the future. It doesn't feel like it's a couple hundred years of the future. It feels like modern times with the occasional weird tech. Like it it does it's come Marvel up. the universe. It does come up because of some things are important that like I mean, there's some of the the concepts and some of the characters have like long histories. Uh, especially when we get to like, uh, so, uh, we, we, we're going, we're just doing loosely. So, uh, Mira, he's the main character, but, uh, he, like the power one for all that he gets, uh, like that's been passed on to like, he, I think he's the eighth user. And so the history of like, yeah. One for all. Wait, was the first one like a three musketeer or something like that? Uh, no, it's just, that's the, that's just the name of the power. Cause like it could just be passed on to multiple people like, uh, and like the, the various users and kind of their clashes with villains and stuff over the years, that's very important to the setting. So like the fact that there's a few hundred years of quirks matters and also like society maybe got disrupted a bit when quirks happened and they kind of had to rebuild. Like we, they weren't inventing new tech for a bit. I see, but I feel like they should have been inventing new fashion, new style. Like Harry, the the clothes, the aesthetics, they're they're modern. I mean, they're they're it's today's cyclical. style. Uh, hmm. I don't know, Harry. Like it's it's very much a snapshot of like the two the early aughts. In, in shows way in the future, either they could try to do some kind of crazy Star Trek thing where they're all in jumpsuits, or they could just basically do the fashion of the time that they're made in, and like you deal with it. I, that, that's not fair, Harry. That's not fair. You could do other stuff, too. Like, you could, what if, like, capes? What if, like, capes were back in fashion? Or, like, everyone was wearing a kilt? You know, just a quick something like that. Make it look just a little bit different. So I've done, like, two reaction type things with both of my siblings, and both of them have brought up fashion as their major complaints. This is not what I expected. 
<laughs> We're very visual people, Harry. Yeah, when I showed Ella Madoka, she was mostly just complaining about how frilly the magical girl costumes were. Well, in her defense, those are some frilly-ass costumes. But yeah, but they're magical girls! They're more frilly than, like, Sailor Moon. So, you went in not knowing anything, and the first couple episodes are just introducing the main character, Izuku, and, you know, he's one of the fifth of humanity that doesn't have a quirk. He's just normal baseline human with green hair. Hmm. Sex to be you, underclass. Yeah. You were bringing up lots of things as we were watching the episode of, like, so, wait, these people have much less job opportunities, and society seems to be putting weird importance on the power of a quirk, and that's something that actually they're getting a lot into. Uh, at his high school, you know, like, a lot of people have quirks that are kind of useless, but Izuku is bullied, even though he's not much worse than any of them. And also, he's smart, he has good grades, but he's bullied because he doesn't have a quirk, and one kid gets away with bullying him really harshly because he has a great quirk, Bakugo. He can make things explode. He is boom boom. Yeah, like, uh, I'm not sure if they do the physics of him the first couple episodes, but his, basically his sweat is nitroglycerin. Uh, they did not mention that, no. Yeah, it's just because they get into some, like, he develops more ways to, like, do it better later on. And it's just, like, they the quirks are actually pretty cool in that they, they're superpower stuff, but most of the time, the characters have, like, a couple minor things on, like, that they, it's not just a simple, clean power, it's, like, some way it ties into their physiology. Yeah, and that's interesting, but, like, I, I gotta say, I'm not sure what I was expecting with this show. I think I was expecting it to be a little less of an anime-ass anime. Like, it is it is very much er-anime. It is very much, like, anime reaction, anime style, anime character emotions. Like, god, the emotions. Is it worse than this show, Harry, or is it just me? Like, everyone's emotion is either a 0 or a 10, and there is nothing in between. That's kind of just Izuku. Like, he is... It's very... not just Izuku. It's absolutely everyone, Harry. Well, okay. Like, so the thing is, you have. So we went up to episode five in this little batch. Uh, I'd like to do the rest later because we barely started the show. Uh, but uh, we we don't meet most of the other characters of the classroom, and a lot of them do kind of view Izuku as weirdly emotional. And All Might is just super dramatic because he's the greatest hero of all time, and also he projects a persona to, you know, inspire people. And also, he's just kind of a dramatic dude. And it's just, like, we ended up with the weird group of anxious introverts, like, just kind of messing around and getting superpowers. I will say, I love All Might. Like, he is my favorite character in this series by far. He's drawn in a completely different art style to everybody else. The show, like, it's it's inspired by Western superheroes, but it's still mostly anime style, except for All Might, because he is almost like, in the manga, he's almost like a Rob Liefeld character. <laughs> well, for three hours out of the day. Uh, because, you, and you were thinking, oh, he's secretly a villain, he's secretly evil, or something like that, but no, he's just... He's secretly a curmudgeon. Yeah. And I love it! I love it! He's wounded because he's been a self-sacrificing hero for, you know, years, he's had a long professional career, and it's... He's lost the lung, most of his stomach, he can only, like, use his powers for three hours a day, it's physically killing him. Uh, Kamen Rider Gaim was all about, you know, defending humanity, maybe giving up stuff, but you're still a cool space god at the end. No, this is a guy, like, inspiring people, protecting people, sacrificing himself to do it. But also, he's, like, he has fun quirks, and, you know, he's ins he's inspired by other people, and it's just... 
Do we need to put a limit on bashing on Gaim now? <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. Um, let's let's just let's not put a limit on it. Let's just not talk about it because it's not worth talking about. Just assume that Gaim did everything wrong. So yeah, my hero. Uh, we went through the arc. If you're familiar with the show, uh, episode five ends with uh, the main character hitting a or throwing a ball with his like one finger. And he cannot control his powers yet, so he absolutely shattered the finger with it, but he still, you know, managed to pass the physical test. Yeah, like, he, his power is just kind of breaking his bones to get super strength, because he's he's too strong and doesn't know how to use it yet. How long does that last, Terry? When does he start being able to use his power without destroying himself? Uh, Looking at uh, Crunchyroll, they're like 80-something episodes in. Can he do it yet? Around season three, he figures out, like, he starts developing new abilities. Oh my god. So for two whole seasons, every time he hits something, it's like destroying his body. Kind of. And to be clear, people in the setting are like, this is dumb. This is the dumb way to fight. You're mostly just testing. You're doing tests in school. Why are you crippling yourself doing this? They yell out all night because you should be telling him not to do this. Like, you're, he's going to end up just like you. Just like all night? Yeah. Because All Might is, you know, crippled and dying. Yeah, yeah, there is that part. He does seem to cough a lot of blood. Well, he, he did get, like, a lung ripped out by, by an entirely unimportant villain. What was it? A lung, a kidney, lots of his intestine. Like, pretty much, like, the left side of his uh, of his abdomen appears to be gone. Uh, let's see. Some, some trivia I know. Izuku, so... In the first conception of the series, the creator actually wasn't going to give him any powers. He's going to be kind of like a, I think, more of a Batman type, and maybe like a gadgeteer. But then his his uh, but then the editors were like, no, give him something flashy. So they gave him like a. Uh, he came up with the concept for all for uh, one for all. So he is phenomenally strong, but at the same time, he is incredibly limited because every time he uses his power to his full ability, he has to go to intensive care. Yeah, he has to be very tactical. You know, he can. He could do really big blows, but then he's less and less effective in fights. Uh, we saw a little bit of, like, the uh, characters who I'm assuming are going to be, like, the main side characters. Uh, there is the uh, the young girl who, with the telepathy, or the telekinesis, who can send people into space. Uh, not telekinesis, it's just, like, a... Or it's anti-gravity. Yeah, anti-gravity. Yeah, Ochako. Uh, his buddy who, who can explode things. There's the dude with the jets on his legs. Yeah, Ida. Who's just kind of a just a very strict, you know, put together guy. Does a lot of yelling, that guy. Uh, he he's pretty intense. Uh, then there's also the um, there's the blonde guy, uh, Harry. How, how do we want to talk about that? Uh, which blonde guy? Flamboyantly gay guy who shoots lasers out of his dick. God, I don't actually know his name. Like, I, I, like does does I... he not stick around for long? No, I mean, like he he's in class one A. Like, uh, he he's pretty important. Pretty much everybody in class one A sticks around and you know shows up uh, to certain extents. Like, uh, fans. It, it's funny. Like they they introduced all the characters and everybody has their fan favorites, but there's some that get more and less focus. I'm assuming anti gravity girl is very popular and probably explodey boy. Uh, Ochiko is like kind of the main female lead. Um, Bakugo is one of the main male leads. Is uh is anti grab girl is she the love interest? So far, I don't think so. Like she, good. I think, good. I like it when the maid lead is not the love interest of the maid dude. 
they clearly like respect each other, and I wouldn't at all be shocked that that if they do it. And actually, I mean, you you're you're right. Uh, so Uchiko, she's been developed enough that like if she becomes the romantic lead, she would still be a very well rounded character. She's not just like the romance interest. Like, uh, <laughs> just lots of me telling like, oh no, they do great stuff later on, and you agreeing. I mean, that, Harry, like, I watched five episodes. This is an anime-ass anime. Like, five episodes is nothing. Like, they fit the plot, and, like, the first five episodes could have been done in two and a half episodes. True, true. Brevity is not something that anime does well. Uh, well, I mean, they do stuff with, like, environment and, uh, well, yeah, you're right. There's a lot of flavor. It was, there's a lot to like. It is, it is definitely an anime-ass anime. You know, for better and for worse. Uh, so, would you be interested in watching more, maybe, and, like, talking about, like, the rest of Season 1 le- at a later date? Yeah, you know what? Uh, we'll talk generalities. Like, I don't... I absolutely refuse to do an episode-by-episode breakdown of the show, because, man, that would suck real bad. Uh, but I'm happy to just talk about generalities and chunks every now and again. Yeah, sure. Bit of a short episode this week, maybe because, you know, we got busy with some stuff. Uh, but, you know... Uh, just kind of a like refresher, you know, getting our batteries charged for heading into a new series. Sam, what do you know about Power Rangers RPM? Uh, it, it's Power Rangers and there's cars. Uh, also, like we did watch Go Kaiger and they had a little bit of like the cars, which I'm assuming reported from RPM or the Japanese equivalent. So I've seen some of the mechs, I guess. Yep. Uh, there were those so- two talking cars that were like toy sized. So, the interesting thing about Power Rangers RPM is that it's notable for being almost nothing like the original Japanese series. So, oh, all the, okay. Yeah. So, it, it's, yeah, the the first couple of Power Rangers series, they were, you know, like, Frankenstein of uh, multiple different shows, like, just the footage of from suits from one show, mechs from another, stuff like that. It was because they just didn't know what they were doing. But for a while, they did, like, accurate remakes. But uh, Power Rangers RPM... They had a bit more leeway because they thought they were going to get canceled. <laughs> oh, so this is the one where they thought they were going to get canceled. So they just fucking threw everything at it and it worked. Yeah. Uh, like, because nice. Go Wander, the Japanese one, it was just it was just kind of a boring car series. The The most notable thing I could tell about it is that parents complained because there were too many mechs. So it was expensive to buy <laughs> all the toys. But for Power Rangers RPM, they decided to do something a bit different and... I guess we're like it. You may have noticed, like we're we're trying to keep you know the coverage light, you know, just fun stuff like that. Pirates RPM, maybe. <laughs> well, we'll get into it next episode, but maybe not light. That does it go dark, Harry? Is it dark? Maybe in certain ways. I mean, it's still like a Power Ranger series, so it's very bright, and optimistic. But it is a little bit about a virus overtaking the world and everyone being trapped inside of a city. <laughs> so. Oh, Harry, Harry, why? Why you know, now? Why now, Harry? Look, look. Harry, is this our quarantine show? Maybe it's our quarantine show. Oh, Harry, was this was this a part of your secret plan? No, Sam, because, like, this is, look, I was talking about Power Rangers RPM, like, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I mean, I know that, but, like... Fucking A, Harry. Why? You know, maybe we'll do something else. We'll talk about it. <laughs> it's a good show. Uh, all right, all right. But we'll we'll figure it out. But until then, Harry, what are we going to do? 
Keep dancing. Keep dancing, everyone. <laughs>